0: Welcome to The Kindness Podcast. I'm Nicole Phillips. During the two years our guest was writing her latest book, Nikki Kosiars lost her mother to cancer and her brother to addiction, all in the middle of a worldwide pandemic. In her new book, Flooded, the five best decisions to make when life is hard and doubt is rising, Nikki bravely shares her own struggles with doubt and the man with the arc who became her role model for faith. welcome to the kindness podcast i am joining you from my aunt mary's house i hope all of you have an aunt mary because it's the aunt marys of our world that remind us like kindness is good it's deep it's not complicated it's as easy as just sitting next to somebody and saying tell me about your day oh i love my auntie mary so today i have the pleasure of introducing you to a woman that i met um, several years ago. And she, I joke, has saved me from jail time. Uh, Nikki Kosiarz is a two-time bestselling author. She's recently released her third book. And many times, uh, I would say not in COVID season, but the rest of the time you can find Nikki center stage teaching people and um, speaking to people from, you know, whether it's conferences or churches or wherever she is, uh, Nikki has a heart for for sharing what what she's learned and the downloads that she's gotten in life with others. So, Nikki Cozyars, thank you for joining me today. How are
1: you? I'm good. Thanks for having me Nicole. This is so fun. You're so fancy with your your graphics and music. Like I'm super impressed.
0: Okay, well, I listened to your podcast. I like it very, very much. And you have fancy music and things too. So, you know, you would die if you knew how I did that podcast. It is (laughs) (laughs) professional. I feel it's so good to like pull back the curtain sometimes and let people know like what what life really looks like right it's real scrappy, it's real scrappy. let's just say it's that <laughs> yeah, yeah and that's okay well and I joke that you saved me from jail time because I did not know when I started out in the kindness business you know how many ever years ago that you couldn't just randomly take photos from the internet and use them as your own in graphics you make you know <laughs> can't do it people see you. (laughs) Yeah. I went to a a workshop that Nikki was, was hosting and she was like, uh, by the way, ladies, like you got to credit things and know where they came from. So anyway, thank you for that. You saved me. Hey, will you tell everybody where you are and what you're about and just how you like to explain yourself? Cause I know you're sitting on a farm right now and it's pretty cool. Listen, I'm sitting on a very muddy farm. So
1: it's not really cool right now. In fact, Right before uh, I hopped on here, I'm great grateful that I remembered it was a video because I didn't have any makeup on. And I was like, oh, shoot, I got to go put some makeup on. Um, but I was actually pressure washing the front porch because it is covered in mud right now.
0: Oh.
1: Where do you live, Nicole? Uh, South Dakota. OK, so really? in the about all the drama in the South with <laughs> the snow and the rain this year, we have never had so much rain uh ever since we've moved out here. And when I mean it is up to our knees, it is up to our knees. Um, But today it is beautiful. It is like 65 degrees and I am as happy as can be to be back on the farm today. But my husband and I bought this farm um, almost seven years ago. This summer will be seven years and it was foreclosed. And uh, so it had sat empty for about two, two and a half years. And you couldn't even really see the house. It was so overgrown with bushes and weeds, and there was snakes in the pool. And like it was, it was a disaster. And I remember we brought my parents uh to to show us, like to show that we were so excited. We're like, we found such the most amazing property. And we brought them out there, and they were like,
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. what? You're gonna pack up our grandkids from little suburbia and bring them out to this? Um, but we have had so much fun, um, a lot of hard work, but we've, it's beautiful now. Um, and we have cows and horses and pigs and chickens and donkeys and dogs, all the things, all the farm things.
0: (laughs) We have three girls. So how do do the girls like that? That's that screams to me like my fifth grade son, but what do your girls think?
1: We, we could use some boys around here.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We can have one. I'll bring you one. When, uh,
1: last weekend when I was out there trying to, we were trying to move our horses because there was so much mud they had to get out of this one area. I was like,
0: somebody needs to get married
1: like real quick. <laughs> I'm burned out with all these projects. Um, uh, but so my, my older two, uh, they are not really into the farm life too much. They like it to like take pictures and post on Instagram and like, you know, the the vibe. Um, but my youngest daughter, she is very much the horse girl. In fact, she's teaching me, um, all about my horse now. So she's out there, I mean, in the summer all day with her horse and riding and all the things. So she loves it. But the other,
0: she is 15. 15. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Now so the other two, I don't know. We, they can pretend to be farm kids. <laughs> no. We'll get married, have some babies and some good, get married, some strapping man who can, you know, <laughs> take over for Nikki in the farm, please. <laughs> uh, so Nikki, your, your book flooded is, is really, uh, you know, so it's been my bedside table companion. I'm going to tell you that because uh, I don't feel like I really struggle um, with debilitating doubt, certainly. I mean, yeah, I doubt things sometimes, but I, but I started working on a new book and I feel like I I am called to write this book and yet it's like pulling out my teeth. It's so hard. And I just think I cannot do this. I cannot do this. And so reading Flooded has been so great for me because I'm like, oh my gosh, like the woman knows, like she knows exactly what it feels like when you just are like, I got to give up. I'm, I'm underwater with this. And when you were writing this book, the two years you spent writing this book had to have been some of the worst of your life. What was going on? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um so here's the interesting part of this story. So when well first of all I'm grateful that the book is helping you work through your own struggles cuz self-doubt <clears throat> I think there's two types of doubt. There's the self-doubt and across the board, we struggle with that. But then we also have faith doubt. You know, we struggle with um, our our belief in ourselves, but also in God helping us through things. And so I'm a faith girl for all of you out there. Um, And so God is my source of strength. And so for sure had some major struggles with doubt. Um, I thought the hardest thing that I had walked through at that point in my life was My mom um, had a brain tumor and it was stage four cancer and she was given six months to live and she was only 62 and it was just a really, really tragic situation. And so um, I walked with her every day through that. And I thought that was the hardest thing that I had ever walked through. But during that season, Um, my brother, my only brother had tried to commit suicide four different times. He had struggled with addiction and bipolar and, uh, it was just, it was a really hard time. So dealing with him and all that. And, um, after my mom died, uh, it kind of began this trickle effect of like more hard things that kept coming. And as soon as I, um, I had. So the way I mean, you know, this the way it works with a book contract is you pitch the idea months before you actually start writing it because it takes time to get the contract and everything. So literally, um, I started writing it last October and the first week in November, my brother committed suicide. Mm-hmm. And so I had just started writing this and uh, had to, to handle that and then got home and then our horse died. And for those of you that um have ever been on a farm. I mean, it's, it's just like a pet. I mean, your dogs, but like, there's something different about horses. I don't know. Like I've had, I've had all the pets die at this point. Um, and I can tell you that losing a horse was the hardest. I don't know if it's just cause they're so big um, and they just require so much work. Um, but that was really hard. And then uh, we also had an exchange student living with us at the time and it was just a, a lot of hard things we're working through with that. And then COVID hit, And so all of that, I'm writing this book in the midst of. And um, I'm kind of scared to ever think about writing another book. Because I'm like, don't do it. Don't do it. (laughs) I don't think I need to go through any more hard things. But I'm also grateful because it really allowed me to get to a very raw place. Um, And it made me, I mean, you know this from writing, it makes you sit in your pain. And I think sometimes with grief, we don't, we want to just rush through it. Like you get three days off in America for a death and then you're expected to be back at work. And um, that's just not how grief works. And so... There was a lot of healing that came from that writing of that book, um, but also a lot of wrestling with God. You know, I had some questions and uh, I needed answers. And I'm here today to tell you, I didn't get all my answers, (laughs) Um, but I was able to get to a place of being able to believe in God again, believing in myself again, and having that holy, what I call holy confidence
0: to move forward in life. And it's interesting because in that book, you never profess to, to getting it, you know, like you never say like, okay, I used to be on this side of grief or I used to be on this side of pain and now I'm here. You know, you never say that you've arrived at the final (laughs) answer and I appreciate that because I'm like, Oh my gosh, like, I don't think any of us ever do. It's just, you know, we just, it's an evolution, right? It's a continual like crazy, crazy train, crazy line as we go from like what, um, you know, what we believe or don't believe, or what we feel or what we don't feel, and that pain that comes and, and then subsides and then comes back. And so, you know, if you feel like you've got it all whipped, then it just kind of smacks you in the face again. It's a Yeah. But what were some of the things that people said to you, especially with the death of your brother, that were helpful or maybe unhelpful? You know, here on the Kindness Podcast, we love to give people tools for, for just being kind. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So um, there was a lot of well intentional people um, in my life and I share everything very publicly, um, which is an up and a downfall of what I do in life. Um, And so with both my mom and my brother, I had invited people into that process with me because I think it's healthy to walk with people through their pain Mm -hmm. um, and not try to act like we've got it all together on social media all the time. but obviously, because of that, you invite in a lot of opinions. And so um, <clears throat> some of the things that, you know, I would say were not helpful uh, with both my mom and my brother was I think people try to make sense of things that don't make sense. Sometimes oh, wow. we are, you know, like especially in the Christian community, uh, people will say things when somebody loses somebody like, oh, God just needed another angel in heaven or, um, You know god did answer your prayers but just not the way that you were praying and um or you know god was just finished with that person and took them home and you know i'm not here today to have a theological debate about that
0: Mm -hmm.
1: um i just know in those moments those are not the things that make people feel well um and so i really i can't tell you a whole lot of things that people said that i feel like were helpful but i will tell you something i learned to say to others um, that I felt like this is what I wanted somebody to say to me. So when my mom died, um, because I had walked with her so closely um, day after day, I just wanted somebody to say, you loved your mom really well. And I saw that. And so when you're walking with someone through grief and they're going like, I have another friend right now that's going through a similar situation with her mom. And those are the things I keep saying to her. And she says, thank you. Like That's what I needed to hear today. Um, Saying things like, you are a good sister. you know cuz my brother obviously with his struggle with mental illness he had burned a lot of bridges in our family and uh the day that you know he took the the bottle of pills that ultimately took his life um i remember the doctor i was on the phone with the doctor and the doctor was like i just don't even think you're going to make it cuz he lived in seattle and i lived in charlotte and i said well i'm going to do everything i can to get there to him because nobody deserves to die alone mm-hmm. and so Um, you know, just people recognizing that part of my journey instead of like, just like, I'm so sorry, you know, things like that, just really affirming people's actions, whether you agreed with them or not, um, I think is really helpful when someone's walking through a hard time.
0: Gosh, that's so great. We have uh, one woman who's tuning in right now and she said prayers to you and your family on the loss of your mother and your brother. And she said her mom died in September and she has good days and bad days, and she needs to take one day at a time. Do you have anything else that you'd add for her? Yes. What I would, what I'm, first of all, I'm so sorry. Um, but I think one
1: of the greatest things that you could do is to try to not put your grief in a box. And so, um, one thing that also was not helpful in that season was like the constant reminders from people, like when her birthday would come or his birthday. And you know, that one year anniversary for some people, that is a really important day because they put their grief on the calendar. And so Mm -hmm. their grief, like they're going to be sad on those days and that's fine. That's their process. But I actually don't think that's a healthy way to handle grief. I think you need to let your grief be dealt with when it comes. So you want to know like the days that are really the hardest for me um, are the days like when when one of my girls says something to me that's just like so off the wall and I'm like wish I could tell my mom that right now. Yeah. Like those those are the hard moments it's really not the mother's day or the birthdays it's these really simple moments so don't skip over that pain that you feel for those those simple things that you long for Mm -hmm. um like when your grief comes let it come if you gotta cry cry if you gotta run run if you gotta scream scream you know but let it come and don't just put it on the calendar on those certain days
0: Christy Rhodes, someone watching says, this is amazing, wonderful words of wisdom. So thank you, Nikki, for that. Let's talk about this book, Flooded, that has helped me so much. And um, it's interesting because, you know, I think whether someone grew up in a church or not, I mean, we maybe have heard about Noah and his ark. And, uh, you know, who built the ark? Noah, Noah. You know, it's like everybody may even have a little song. Maybe that's just me, but I feel like, you know, we got a little song here. Uh, So uh, how did you get to the point where you wanted to take in this book, this childhood character or caricature sometimes even, and, and like, how did you make him into a real human that felt flooded, that felt some of the same things, someone you could learn from. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So kind of the rhythm that I have as a Bible teacher, um, and I don't know that that other Bible teachers would agree with my rhythm, but that's okay to each his own, Um, is I like to take a struggle that I'm having, a God struggle, um, and I put it through the lens of somebody in the Bible because I really believe like, yes, pastors are great. Counselors are great. Mentors are great. Friendships are great. But you guys, honestly, for every hard thing that we would ever walk through in this life, there's actually somebody in the Bible who's walked through it harder than we have. And Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of things that we can learn um, from people in the scriptures. And so when I was struggling with doubt, you know, I kind of sat with God and I was like, God, show me somebody who could teach me some things about this. And, uh, you know, I had been really interested in Noah for a long time, but then I just went back one time and just reread it. And I was like, this man had every reason to doubt and had every reason to not do this. And so here's the interesting thing. So the the book is called flooded the five best decisions to make when life is hard and doubt is rising. And so in, in some Bible stories, you'll study them and you have words. So like Rachel and Leah is another um, set of Bible people that I've written on. And there's a lot of conversation, a lot of cattiness that we could study and unpack for our lives. OK, mm-hmm. but with Noah, there is actually no words that we can study between him, his wife, his kids, God, anybody until the very end, which it's a hot mess at the end. <laughs> right. But what we see is God commands and Noah obeys. And so there's this process of obedience that Noah walks through in his life. That was incredibly challenging to me Um, because here I was presented with this huge assignment of God. I mean, hard things is something that God entrusts us with. Like nobody wants them. But yet they're there. But God knows that there's things that we can learn and grow and glean from those hard things if we'll let them. Okay, a lot of times we just want to press the easy button and skip over it. So Noah was able to show me like decision making decisions that we can make with specifically with God um, to help us rise above the doubt um, that the hard things in life bring. Because I think everyone listening to this today understands like, hello, 2020, and even 2021, it has been hard. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of doubt that is stirring up inside of us. Are we ever going to get through this pandemic? Is life ever going to return to anything that feels normal? Are my finances going to be okay? Are my friendships going to survive what happened during the political season? Like, is my family going to be okay? These are all questions of doubt that we're all asking right now. Yeah, yeah,
0: they are. So then the question is, and I don't know if you can answer this or not, but for people who don't have a faith, they don't have, um, you know, a a, a love of the Bible or they, they don't, they don't want to look through the lens of those characters. Was there anything you learned that could be helpful and practical for people just with general doubt and not just God doubt? Well,
1: I, I'm I mean everything that I do is based on faith and so that's a hard yes. that's a hard place for me to go but yeah. here's where, here's where I can stretch myself a little bit okay. um I think there's so you have god doubts but then you also have self doubt OK. And so a lot of times um, when we're walking through something really hard, it becomes very easy to start to view ourselves as failures somehow. And so we start to think about our hard circumstances. They become something that defines us. OK. And so self-doubt. Um, is actually a form of pride, believe it or not. Um, normally we think of pride as like this puffed up, like I'm better than you kind of thing. But really, and again, putting this through the lens that I look through life, pride is any, any way that like you were created by God. And so when we start to think of ourselves in any other way, shape or form than the way that he created us to be, that becomes a form of pride because we're putting our thoughts higher than his. Okay. So for those of you that lean more towards not really um, having that, that type of faith, here's what I would say though, even though you may struggle with that and that's not kind of your go-to, you do have a go-to script in your mind when life starts to get really hard. And so I think, you know, when I was walking through the season with my mom and then also my brother, and then the dozens of other things that happened during that season, um, we, and I didn't put this in the book because I didn't figure this out till afterwards. Mm-hmm. We have something in our lives called confirmation bias. Have you ever heard of this, Nicole? No. Uh-uh. Okay, so it's really, it, it's what we believe. And whether you believe in God or not, you believe something, okay? Yes. <laughs> and so yes. everyone has some type of belief. And when we're walking through a hard situation, what we believe often is what, what ends up happening. So- Oh yeah, like a self-fulfilling prophecy? Kind of, but it's, it's really, we start to look at the world and we look for that confirmation of what we're experiencing. So for example, when I was walking through, my brother's suicide. I started looking at the world of mental illness in a way that I've never looked at before, okay? But you gotta be careful because it can start to write this story that's not even happening inside of you. So confirmation bias is is important to recognize, but it's also important to decide what you believe before you get to the hard things, because so for me, because I made the decision to believe God, I was able to walk through those hard things and see God because I was looking for God. Yeah. Now, if you want to use the word joy or peace or trust or hope or whatever word you want to use, you got to decide before you walk through the hard thing that that's what you're going to look for in life, because what you look for is what you become.
0: Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. And I know the people who have heard me speak or whatever are going to say, Oh, Nicole says what you look for is what you'll see. So, I mean, we're, we're, yes, you are. You're speaking my heart on that one. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it is so important to know before you walk through it, what you're going to, what are you going to see? What are you going to look for? What do you believe? Yeah. Yeah. What do you believe? Oh, this has been so fun, Nikki. I've loved talking with you before I let you go. Do you have a favorite kindness story or something that you want to share? Um, I
1: do. I do. Oh, good. I love these stories that you're doing here on this podcast. This is so great. Um, so I remember about, gosh, it's probably been 20 years now, but this is honestly the nicest thing, the kindest thing that anyone has ever done. Um, so when my husband and I, when we got married very young, that's another story for another day. Um, but we walked through a lot of financial hardship. Our first couple of years of marriage, we had major surgeries and he lost his job and it was just really, really hard. And we ended up having to sell his truck to help pay some medical bills. And some people at our church, um, they were just listening to our story one day. And I wasn't complaining, but I was just talking about how I was having to get up at five o'clock in the morning with the baby and drive him to work every day if I needed a car that day, because we were one car. Mm-hmm. And um, a couple weeks later, they called us and they said, hey, we just want to come over and just talk to you guys. And they brought two cars with them, though. And I thought that was really strange. And um, they said, you know, we just know that you're really walking through a hard time. And I just, we can't bear the thought of you having to take that baby out in the cold at five o'clock in the morning um, to drive him to work. So we just want to give you this car. There's no strings attached. Um, And I just remember sitting there, I was just weeping. I just couldn't even believe it. Like, it was So much kindness in that moment. And here's the best part of the story. So they told us, they said, the only thing is you can't sell the car. Like when you're done with it, you have to give it to somebody else.
0: Wait, wait, wait. They gave it to you? They didn't even say borrow this for a few months to get back on your feet?
1: Gave it to us.
0: Wow.
1: Gave it to us. But the caveat was we had to give it to somebody else. So we, um, we put so many miles on it, though it wasn't that great. And by the time we got it, but we were able to gift it onto somebody else and it was really
0: special. Oh my goodness. Kindness is contagious. I love that you get to feel it. And so many feeling as the receiver and as the giver. Oh, Nikki, it's been so great. So great talking with you. We'll have every, um, we'll have your, uh, the name of the book and where your website and all of that in the show notes so that people can find you um, because I know they're going to want to connect. And I just thank you for your wisdom today on the Kindness Podcast.
1: Thank you, Nicole. This was so great. I love what you're doing. Thanks for having me part of it.
0: That was a conversation with author Nikki Kosiars. Her latest book, Flooded, The Five Best Decisions to Make When Life is Hard and Doubt is Rising, is available wherever you find your favorite books. Connect with Nikki at NikkiCosiars.com. Thanks for listening to The Kindness Podcast. It's produced by WOUB Public Media and relies heavily on the kindness of engineer Adam Rich. I'm Nicole Phillips. We hope you'll subscribe to The Kindness Podcast wherever you listen and find us on social media at Kindness Podcast. If you like the show, please spread some kindness in the review section. And check out my book, The Negativity Remedy, now available in stores.